And welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most tantalizing topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 144th edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 537th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of Thursday, October 24th, 2019. I'm your host, Brian Tonsoni. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call, how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call. And that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Smart takes the shot. This week's banner moment happened on Sunday when the 2019-2020 Indiana Hoosiers traveled to Indianapolis to play Marquette in a secret scrimmage. It is always good for players who have practiced against their teammates since March to finally play against another team. Many of us have seen the box score, read the tweets, and maybe even watched the short video produced by Marquette Basketball. However, the importance of this scrimmage lies with the development of this Indiana basketball program. The scrimmage gave us some insight into areas of improvement that will allow the Hoosiers to compete in the Big Ten this season. While it is difficult from the outside to seriously gauge what happened on Sunday, the information that has been released does show some of the potential of this Hoosier squad. Indiana fans have endured many predictions talking about what this team cannot do and thus ranking them 9, 10, or 11th in the Big Ten. The scrimmage shed a little light on what the Hoosiers may be able to do this season. Things like building and using depth. Armand Franklin seems to be pushing for a larger role than many may expect. Four players in double figures without two starters playing shows the versatility of the team. Improved shooting and offensive efficiency, 50% from three, and taking 43 free throws means attacking the rim and getting fouled. We will discuss the free throw shooting percentage later in the show. Uh, Good transition numbers, outscoring your opponent in fast break points. A top 30 defense is what Indiana fans are looking for, and the defensive field goal shooting percentage was solid in the scrimmage. So the season has just begun. The team has lots of areas to improve on, but what we can take away from Sunday is that this team is going to show up and play. It will utilize the entire roster, and hopefully its ceiling is a lot higher than most predict. Okay. Now let me introduce my esteemed co-hosts for this week's show. Jared and Ryan are both off this week as they needed extra time to try on Halloween costumes in advance of next week's show. But here with me to my left is the Frank Vogel of Girls Youth Sports Coaching in Cincinnati, the President Emeritus of the Robert Johnson Fan Club, and still the godfather of the Assembly Call Bracketologist. He is Andy Bottoms. Andy, what is your bottoms line on the last week in Indiana basketball? Well, like you said, I think a lot of people's thoughts come from the the scrimmage. And it's funny, you can look down just about every player and find something that you really like. And if you want to spin things in a positive way of, of what you think that scrimmage tells us about that player and how they'll fit into the season. And for just about everybody, you can look and you can find something to, to nitpick and, uh, and really give reason for concern. Uh, and I know we're going to talk a little bit more about the scrimmage, but I do think, um, you know, I think something like that gives good experience for, for some of the younger guys to be able to, uh, you know, get in that situation against, you know, a real college team. Uh, and I think in that regard, a, a game like this is, uh, more beneficial than another exhibition game would be. And so the, you know, not really injuries or the, I guess the holdouts of, of Robin Devante gave other guys some opportunity that, uh, you know, in Armand's case, 
uh, and, and Al as well. You know, they, they got to play some extra minutes, play a little bit more of the point than they would have otherwise expected. And I think, you know, those are things that um, can be a positive for them as we look forward. So I'll, I'll save a lot of my other you know, thoughts about it until we really talk through the game. But I think overall, you know, positive experience that, that hopefully these guys can, um, you know, draw from at some point later in the season. And I think uh, as I look down the list and you put the game into context, I, I would put more things in the good category than the bad, uh, even though, like I said, there's a few things that you can nitpick. Um, certainly, if you watch that Marquette video, it looks like we're going to have a terrible season. But uh, I guess since that was taken from a, a slanted perspective, it was uh, it, maybe that maybe that had something to do with it. But uh, I need the IU version of that to make me feel a little bit better. But otherwise, uh, otherwise, I think a good experience. And, you know, a week from uh, tonight, we'll have already had a uh, an exhibition postgame show under our belt. So I think we'll get a lot a lot better chance to to learn more from there. And, and really the biggest thing with this team, as much as injuries were a factor last year, uh, I, it seems by all accounts that IU is being cautious with uh, Rob and Devante and even Al at the end of the game. Uh, you sure see, though, from some of the numbers, how quickly uh, depth will be tested if if they happen to run into injury issues even close to what they had last year. So that's something to watch for. But uh, again, I don't think that's a uh, anything that we can you know make you know black or white uh, observations on from the from the scrimmage. And to my right, I'm excited to introduce. Uh, you to our other student intern for the season, one of the hardest working people in student journalism. He covers IU basketball for us and for Inside the Hall. He covers IU football for the Fort Wayne Journal-Gazette, and he covers the world of life-size bags of popcorn for himself. He is Cam Drummond. Cam, what are your opening thoughts on the last week in IU hoops? Uh, pleasure to be on my first assembly call radio appearance. Just want to say, uh, you know, thanks for having me on and a pleasure to meet you guys and everything. And uh, yeah, so I guess just from the first week, obviously kind of the the dominating storyline has to be the secret scrimmage and not only looking at who played and what their roles are, but for me personally, I have more of an interest in the front court this year, especially seeing how it's going to shake out when you lose players like Fitzner and Juwan Morgan as well. So taking a look at that minutes distribution was really interesting to me, seeing that Race Thompson was the player who got the bulk of the minutes in that secret scrimmage compared to a guy like Deron Davis who only had 10 minutes and I know kind of the show tonight is going to be a little Deron Davis preview edition and we'll talk about the secret scrimmage a bit more well the idea of different players getting different variations of minutes because Archie Miller has said so many times this preseason about wanting to play a big bodied bigger lineup where two of the three or maybe even three of the four kind of bigger more muscular inside players for Indiana are going to get a chance to you know crash and bang and contend for rebounds and points in the paint so just kind of looking at the way that Archie was tinkering with things during that secret scrimmage against a legit Marquette team and I don't think we should forget either that Archie Miller got a technical foul somehow during a secret scrimmage um i mean maybe that makes it indication of a bit more fiery archie miller a bit more, uh, a bit more okay so here's what we're going to talk about this week we'll run through a few hoosier headlines including the recent secret scrimmage as we've talked about in all of three of our opening uh, comments then we'll discuss indiana's other senior who has had trouble staying on the floor during his career but whose unique skill set could be a difference between indiana returning to the tournament or not this season and finally we'll answer your questions all of that coming this week on assembly call radio but first let's talk about tickets 
You have a lot of options when it comes to where you get your sports tickets, and this isn't an industry that is known for its growth, innovation, and customer friendliness. But with millions of live event tickets and a price match guarantee, SeatGeek proves that there's a better way. They built the fastest way to find tickets so that you can stop searching for the perfect seat and instead start enjoying it. Just look at the App Store. SeatGeek has over 50,000 five-star reviews, and the reason is because they deliver a better process for buying tickets. SeatGeek pulls together millions of tickets from all over the web and then rate each deal on a scale of 1 to 10 with a color-coded system to show the value. Green dots mean good deals, red dots are overpriced. Then they display the tickets on an interactive seat map so you can see right where they are. And every purchase is fully guaranteed so you can shop for tickets with confidence. I have the SeatGeek geek app on my phone because i'm looking for tickets to the february 8th game when assembly call fans and the crew will meet together after the game and i like what seat geek can provide and best of all can a brother get some coupons yes you can seat geek will give you ten dollars off your first seat geek purchase and all you need to do is use our promo code so download the seat geek app today and use the promo code assembly for ten dollars off your first purchase that's Promo code assembly for $10 off your first purchase. Okay, who's your headlines this past week? We've obviously going to talk about the secret scrimmage. We got a nice question from Chad uh, that we'll play here shortly. Um, an interesting note the team arrived a little later than they wanted to, uh, so the guys didn't have a, a whole lot of time to warm up. Might explain why Archie got that technical cam. Um, but I think there was a Colts um, home football game. And I, I know that because. Um, there was another team that my son is a manager for, we won't mention on the show, but they had a secret scrimmage following the Hoosiers and they had difficulty fighting the post-game traffic later on that Sunday. So maybe that's why Archie well, was a little uh, grouchy. Darson Garcia, his official visit is this weekend and it is huge. Most people uh, think it's between Indiana and Marquette and maybe this weekend uh, will be the deciding factor as Garcia tries to make a decision in November. Uh, can IU move the needle enough um, in his first visit to Bloomington to uh, win his services? And Joey Brunk won uh, the new gold jersey. So those are some Hoosier headlines, and fellas be uh, free to, to talk about any of those. But I'm going to start with Chad's question uh, on the secret, secret scrimmage. Here's Chad. Hey, this is Chad from the Chat Mob, a longtime listener, first-time voicemailer two hours before the show. Uh, the secret scrimmage stat numbers came out. And to my surprise, Hoosier Nation was able to overreact and to just numbers and, and letters printed on a sheet of paper. Uh, we're not known as the fan base that overreacts. I was kind of shocked by that. So anyway, um, what did you guys find surprising in those numbers? Maybe something that was improved upon from last year or uh, something that shocked you the most? I will hang up and listen to your response. Thanks. Andy, let's go to you. What what was the most surprising uh, thing in those numbers from the secret scrimmage? Well, I think probably be remiss not to talk about the free throw shooting. And so this is kind of like what I, I said in the beginning. If you want to find the, the positive, you'd say uh, you had a free throw rate of 97.7 for the game because they shot 43 free throws and took 44 um, field goal attempts. And, uh, you know, a lot was made of the percentage that they shot. And, and while that is... Um, you know, alarming given the, the recent history of that, um, you know, Nick Baumgart did a good job. He had a, a series of tweets. Uh, he's at Nick underscore Baumgart, B-A-U-M-G-A-R-T. And he, he kind of went through a couple of things and, and 
you know, he cited some, some things from Dean Oliver's book, um, basketball on paper about, you know, just really getting to the free throw line is important. And, and he had some stats over the last five seasons that IU is, uh, so overall IU has got a 592 winning percentage when the free throw rate is above 37%. IU wins at a, uh, 76% clip. So they're 48 and 15 any other time they're 52 and 54. So his message was generally don't get as hung up. Yes. It's if, if they continue to shoot that way over the course of the entire season, there's reason for concern. Um, but focus a little bit more on, you know, the fact that they were able to get to the line that much, draw that many fouls. Uh, there were a number of guys who drew a ton of fouls. I think, um, I think Brunk drew six over his time in the game and they're, you know, seeing some of those numbers and you, you pointed that out as well in your, uh, you know, coach's corner this week, uh, within the community. And so I think, you know, if you want to find the positive, like to me, that was pretty surprising. Um, not necessarily surprising in the sense that I think this is how one of the ways this team is going to have to score because, um, the outside shooting is, is, uh, is also a concern heading into the season, but, um, you know, Marquette's not uh, going to set the world on fire defensively by any means, but I thought it was a good sign uh, of aggressiveness. And um, so that really stood out. I mean, anytime you get a free throw rate of, you know, almost 98 in any game scrimmage, whatever you want to call it, uh, I think that that bodes well for uh, the aggressiveness of really trying to get downhill. Now, we don't know, you know, what was run offensively to be able to create those chances. And, and ideally next week, we'll get a better chance to see that. But uh, that was kind of from a team number, something that stood out to me. You know, and I, I pointed out uh, in the community, the video I did in the community, that uh, Indiana, I think, uh, made 24 foul shots and Marquette took 26. And I saw somewhere uh, Marquette or someone tweeted out that due to really good foul shooting down the end, Marquette was able to hold on. So, uh, again, from a defensive perspective, not fouling is important as well. And the, and the free th- field goal percentage defense was there. Um, and that speaks to that uh, – you know, top 30 defense that in, if Indiana could be a top 30 defense, I think they're going to be uh, competing for 20 wins and, and that. So those numbers too were, were not surprising, but I, I tend to look at the positives uh, as I think this team is being predicted at its floor uh, at the worst at, at nine, 10 and 11. And I think there's a lot of room for improvement. And so those numbers, Cam, you, you talked about looking at the post uh, position this year. Were there any numbers uh, or minutes or whatever with the post players that really stood out to, to you that, that help you in, in determining uh, who's going to play and, and who's going to make a difference? Yeah, kind of something that I guess was interesting, maybe not in the traditional post sense is, or but I mean, still from someone who started at the forward position in the secret scrimmage was Justin Smith. He logged 28 minutes, uh, took 10 shots, led Indiana in the number of shots taken, uh, only made four of them, finished with nine points. But I guess just, just kind of speaking to the concept of Justin Smith still having the green light to shoot uh, for Arch Miller and for this Hoosier team. It's not like any confidence necessarily was lost in him from last season when he maybe kind of struggled in the mid range or struggled to, you know, maybe kind of create his own shot if he wasn't right there at the basket or you know wasn't set up by some other kind of off-ball movement from the Hoosiers but having Smith I mean the lineup that they started that the secret scrimmage with was super big as well you're talking about Smith Jackson Davis Anderson Brunk and Al Durham being the starting lineup I mean that's three forwards a center and a guard that they played with obviously with Finnessy and Green not playing but having Justin Smith and maybe kind of encouraging him to keep his confidence up continue to 
take shots and continue to maybe explore from where around the floor is going to end up being his bread and butter this season because he's maybe one of those unknown pieces in the front court for Indiana, especially kind of dependent on where he wants to slot Demise at, where he wants to slot Jerome Hunter at. Maybe Justin Smith is a player who you'd be afraid would get lost in the shuffle or lose his hesitancy to try and create offensively and you know him taking 10 shots and playing 28 minutes, even though it is in a secret scrimmage given you know the players who weren't playing is still a positive step and also only seeing him take one three-point shot as well is probably a, a bit of a reassuring thing for Indiana fans too. And, and you bring up a good point too, and, and, and they're talking about it in, in the chat uh, mob as well, that sometimes you can stop these scrimmages. It, 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 is, it does simulate a true game, uh, but there's a lot of control on the coaches on, on what they're doing and where the ball's taken out of bounds and stuff. And that's stuff where you can only take so much from these statistics. But overall, I do like the balanced scoring as well, to add to what you guys have said, the fact that without two of your best players, uh, the point guard we're relying on and, and the senior shooter, and, and we were able to have four guys in, in double figures. Jerome Hunter is always going to be a guy that they're going to take some precaution with, and he played 14 minutes and scored seven points. And so maybe if he can up that to 18 to 20 minutes, given his health situation, can he find double-digit uh, and – most people are worried about where the scoring's coming from, and it looks like we have some p- people throughout the lineup uh, that can score. So uh, overall, Andy, positive takeaway, negative on on the scrimmage. Uh, I think, like I said, I think more for me was in the positive category, given the circumstances and, and who you didn't have in, in the game. Uh, I think for Jerome to be able to get those minutes, uh, you know, by any account that I read, you know, talked about there's still a lot of rust for him to work off, but. Uh, again, I think better for him to try to work that off in this scenario. And I think you see that in the minutes, you know, they let him play 14 minutes. He did have four turnovers in that time period. And I think that's what you expect. And, uh, and in some ways that's where the the early season schedule is going to be good for a guy like him, that it, it lets you shake off the rust in a, uh, in a, I don't want to say non, non-competitive situation, but in a little bit, le- a little bit more of a low pressure situation, I guess you'd say. Um, so I think that's positive for him. As you said, you know, four guys in double figures, five with at least nine points, I believe. Um, I thought Brunk sounded like he, he played well, had 11 and seven. Um, Trace had 11. I think the rebounding for him was, you know, if you want to find the, a, a negative number for him, only grabbing one rebound, I think is a concern. But I also think um, I think that will come. I think he's too talented physically not to not to really be able to rebound at a high level uh and, and even you know i think a lot was made of guys like demisi and race playing a ton of minutes but not really scoring uh very much and yeah you know i don't love seeing demisi 0 for 4 from the free throw line but he didn't take a ton of shots i think he might have right. only taken three or four shots over the course of 29 minutes so that to me says he wasn't really forcing anything did grab seven rebounds was playing a little bit out of position because i think he was playing some two in the game which i don't think probably suits him all that well, particularly defensively. And then race had, you know, seven rebounds in, in 26 minutes as well. I think he took, you know, maybe a couple more shots in Demisi. Uh, but he's also a guy who doesn't have a lot of basketball under his, uh, under his belt. So, you know, really you could look down the list and even guys who got scrutinized, I guess, for, for not scoring as much, I thought were able to contribute in uh, a balanced effort like that is good. Uh, I think if you want to look at the potential negatives, you know, didn't generate a lot of points from turnovers and didn't generate a lot of second chance points. I, I think for a team that is not expected to shoot the ball all that well, um, which hopefully will be proven wrong as we're just, you know, beating that into the ground over the course of the offseason, um, 
but but being able to get easy baskets like that, I know you mentioned fast break points, so that is at least one way to get it. But you know, getting points off of turnovers and runouts and and off of just you know second chances for a team that has such such a a, a large amount of size in the front court. Um, you know, again, it's a one game sample size that was a you know a scrimmage, so hesitate to take too much to it. But if you want to look at kind of negative things in terms of where points are coming from, that was that was one piece that stood out a little bit. The Archie technical, though, I think was great. Yeah. I, I wish I knew what it was for. Uh, and I love that a referee at some point was so annoyed by him in a situation where there was no crowd and nothing else going on that he felt compelled to to give him a technical. Maybe Archie just paid him like 20 bucks to put it on the score sheet just to generate chatter about it. And either way, I'm all for it, no matter what. <laughs> Archie must have been fired up about that drive in. You know, not only being slowed down, but passing all those tailgates and the barbecue smell. He probably was... If it was me, that's probably what I would have been grouchy, grouchy about. Cam, is there anything that you see from what we've heard in a scrimmage about that post rotation? I'm thinking Justin's going to play more of the three. Uh, Hunter will be there. Demisi could play the three a little bit. Both of those guys can slide into the four, typical four, if if those positions. But did you see anything that that we should share with people to maybe some insight on what Archie's thinking about who's going to play and and how they're going to play? Yeah, I think that's a good point you, you made with Justin Smith there, just because especially when you're taking a guy like Jerome Hunter, who has the rust, who's still, I mean, forget the fact that he sat out all of last year. He's still a bit raw as a player as well. He's going to need time to adjust, and that's what those non-conference games are for to start the season. So I think then you're looking at maybe two of the three guys when you take Trace Jackson Davis, Deron Davis, and a guy like Joey Bronk and trying to figure out which two of those three can coexist on the floor at the same time. And obviously, given the minutes distribution from the screen, you see Duran only played 10. That means Trace and Joey worked together more on the court, maybe even giving Race Thompson a bit of a look in some of these early games. And Archie said as well that the key is going to be being able to branch out and defend on the perimeter. That's something that obviously suits Trace Jackson Davis better just from his athletic build standpoint and his mobility standpoint, because Brunk and Davis can be the bruisers on the inside and kind of control that pain area. But a a defensive concern for Indiana has to be their ability to close out on three-point shooters. I mean, with all the good things that Duran can do on offense, passing the ball and you know creating floor space for himself, they won't be able to close down the same way that Trace can. So I think, if anything, this game might be a bit of an indication that Trace gets a bit of a run out to start the season just because of his ability to sprint out and close the gap on perimeter shooters. Yeah, and that's that's been a concern of mine too. Is can you guard that stretch four? You know, Butler has a McDermott type player. Those those really small forward power forwards uh, with a big lineup, and, and I, I could, can't agree. And you mentioned Deron Davis and his minutes. And uh, coming up, it, it's our time for our Deron Davis season preview. He's had a major impact whenever he's been on the floor for Indiana. But that's the big question: Can he stay on the floor? If so, he could be Indiana's most important X factor this season. So stick with us. We'll discuss next here on the Assembly Call. What's going on? It's Christian Wofford. What's the only thing better than an epic buzzer beater? Celebrating it with friends afterwards. Join my guys, Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on the Assembly Call after every IU game. Go Hoosiers. Welcome back to the Assembly Call. You can find all of our content at our website, assemblycall.com. 
And if you ever want to join the chat mob during our unedited live broadcast or watch those replays and see all the between the segment banner, then check out our YouTube channel at youtube.com backslash assembly call. I'm the coach, Brian Tonsoni, here with Andy Bottoms and our student intern for this season, Cam Drummond. And we're now going to go to uh, a Duran Davis preview for the year. And in the previous years, Duran's percentage of minutes, uh, freshman, it was 33.9, sophomore year, 22.5% of the minutes, and his junior year, 28.7%. So can he play 35% of all minutes this year? That would be 14 minutes a game. Uh, if so, is his ability to chew up and spit out opposing teams' uh, backup big men could be a huge difference if he comes off the bench. Um, what is his role going to be? And a few notes from his performance. Indiana's offense was 0.1 points per possession better when he was on the floor, and the defense was about the same. And in the month of January, Duran missed four games, and he played four or fewer minutes in the other three, and Indiana lost all seven games. What would have happened last year if Duran was available for all of those games? So these are some things that we're going to be talking about. And Cam, uh, I'm going to turn to you first. You had a great article in Inside the Hall on Duran Davis for, for his preview. Uh, share, share with our listeners uh, what you think his role and, and contribution to this team will be. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess we can just start off with like what we know about Deron Davis. I mean, he's a phenomenal player, someone who can really affect things in a lot of ways for the Hoosiers, but just through getting into foul trouble and through the injury bug, not only his sophomore year with the actual torn Achilles, but last year he had so many different bumps and bruises and nicks, you know, banging up his ankle, just needing rest. You know, I mean, I think it was at one point in the season, Archie Miller said he should have, you know, been shut down for like a two week period, but instead he kept trying to play and it just kept getting aggravated. And I believe it was during that stretch that you mentioned actually when Indiana lost all seven games when he wasn't super effective and that's that's actually super helpful because you know I'm, I'm a journalism major I'm not a math kid or anything but I crunched some of the numbers uh from from last year so if you look at the final 14 games of the Indiana season 13 of those 14 games Deron Davis played double digit minutes in and if you look at that period Indiana went seven and seven over those 14 games and of those seven wins they were highlighted by probably their three best wins of the season home and road against Michigan State and then home against Wisconsin so just from a direct correlation standpoint when Deron Davis is playing 10 plus minutes on the floor Indiana is winning basketball games at a much higher clip than they are with him off it then you get into the talk about what his role is going to be this season and what I kind of you know based my article around when I was doing his player preview for inside the hall was the idea that it's not even necessarily dependent on Duran how much he plays this year it's dependent on guys like Joey Brunk Grace Thompson and Trace Jackson Davis because as a senior you know what you're going to get from Duran Davis you know what his skill set is you know what his deficiencies are not a ton is going to change beyond him just being healthy and being able to stay on the court and stay out of foul trouble and that is just going to have to kind of mesh with how quickly could Trace Jackson Davis learn the offense how you know, how much of a deer in the headlights look is he going to have as a freshman in Big Ten games? How well will Joey Brunk assimilate into the team? Because in many ways, Joey Brunk and Deron Davis are similar players, albeit Deron Davis has, you know, an exquisite ability to pass the ball out of the post and really from anywhere around the court that Joey maybe doesn't have. Uh, does Race Thompson show, you know, any ability to kind of bang and crash for rebounds and just use his body to box out people the same way that Deron does? You know, maybe he's added some muscle, maybe he's added some technique, but if not, then that's still a skill set advantage that Duran has. So it's kind of at this weird point, Duran Davis's Indiana career when he is on 
or you know how much better Indiana plays when he plays, but at the same time, is Indiana able to afford him on the court when you have such talent that also exists around him at the four and five spots? Andy, do you do you think Duran's uh, better coming off the bench this year, or would he be better in a starting role? And um, you know, what what do you think he's going to be able to do over the thirty games this season? Yeah, I think that's that's one of the things I find you know most interesting. Where you kind of you look at the stats from the scrimmage, and again, you don't know what to take from. Is he trying to you know ease Duran along? But if you figure, and rightfully so in my mind, you wouldn't see a scenario where Brunk and and Davis are playing together on the floor at the same time. And if you assume that one of those guys is going to be on the court through the duration of the game, which again, maybe that maybe that part doesn't end up being true. But you got you're capped at forty minutes a game to split between Brunk and Duran, and so. I think it'll be interesting to see whether that becomes kind of an even split, which I think is, I guess it's best or worst case, depending upon who you're, depending upon who you're thinking about. If they split those 20 and 20, then, you know, that's one thing, but, but do some of those minutes, does it start to be, you know, is Brunk playing, you know, 24 versus 16 for Duran? I don't know that that's necessarily a good thing or a bad thing at this point, because we haven't seen enough from what Joey Brunk looks like that, you know, the current incarnation of, of Joey Brunk looks like, but I think those are the things that are, you know, really interesting in, in terms of whether, you know, Duran would embrace that kind of role. I think if he can be effective in those short spurts, um, you know, I, I think there were times even, even over the course of his career where he may not have played a lot of minutes, but when he was on the court, they really fed him and it made a concerted effort to get the ball into him. Um, so I think you can be successful as a team with a guy doing that, that you really force feed uh, inside when he's in, he is a good, you know, post scorer. Uh, I, I think Jared has talked a lot about some of the synergy numbers about that and, and the reality of the situation. And this is really true for, for both guys that are in that center conversation is, um, you know, defensively, it's going to come down to how well they can be able to move on the perimeter and in ball screens. And I think that's not been a strength of really either one of them uh, to this point in their respective careers, albeit with Brunk at, at Butler. Um, so, you know, whether that 40 minutes become, you know, is a full 40 minutes between the two of them or it gets less, I think is going to say a lot about their defense. And then you just got to figure out how the minutes get divvied out from there. Uh, I, I guess based on, if you want to read a ton into the scrimmage, you'd say Brunk is the starter and uh, and Duran's going to come off the bench and, and be an effective guy in that role. But I think it's it's probably too early to uh, say that for certain yet, at least based on you know what, what I'm thinking. Yeah, and in the scrimmage too, I, I think Indiana played it really close to the vest with, with limiting his minutes and the guards being held out and even Trace Jackson Davis getting 17, 18 minutes. I think all of those guys are important. And while you want to get them some experience playing against other people, it is – uh, just a just a scrimmage. Cam, um, we have a question from Cam. We're not sure if it's from you or not. Wanted to set this up, but it goes right along with what Andy was talking about, the 15, 20 minutes. And, and Cam asked his expectations for Duran is, um, what are your expectations to embrace the role of uh, 15 to 20 minutes as a backup big? And, and I'm going to add something to that for, for you. Do you think he's better in short spurts where he could go and go full out and then come back uh, instead of extended minutes of time. So is Duran going to embrace that role if he only gets about 14 to 20 minutes? And and how do you chop that up best for him if you were the coach? 
Well, yeah, I guess like kind of on the topic of, of Joey Brunk and Deron Davis bringing a similar skill set type thing to Indiana, you also maybe kind of think both of them are very veteran type players and they bring the same kind of intangibles as well. You know, gritty, hard nose, not afraid to both yell at teammates, but also getting in the face of opponents and, you know, standing up for guys like that. So to that effect, I think Deron would embrace a role off the bench. And personally, I do think he's better in that maybe, you know, you go three or four minutes short burst span with Deron, you sub him out for maybe a five or six longer period of time with Brunk or whoever else he's sharing time with down low, just because I think over the course of the season as well, that's going to help the wear and tear on his body as well. I mean, you have enough of a proven course of action with Duran to maybe not call him fragile per se, because that's a bit of a loaded term, but he's a guy who I think is fair to say is injury prone and it, it wouldn't take too much to maybe reaggravate something like an Achilles or if he gets some bumps and bruises around the knee or ankle like he did last season to where you don't want him being ineffective and being shut down or playing so few minutes, like you mentioned, in such a critical span of the season and the slog that is January, February, March in the Big Ten. So, you know, bringing him in four minute, maybe a couple minute spurts, you know, three or four minutes at times during a game probably works a lot better for him from a physical standpoint, also just from an Indiana standpoint, because then when he's just coming in off the bench in short spurts, it becomes easier to force feed him, maybe take advantage of an opposing team's second unit. And just from like a schematic coaching standpoint, if you know you have to prepare for Deron Davis to enter the game at any two to three minute burst, that's going to be something that's occupying a ton of time in the film room and a ton of time in practices before you lead up to play Indiana. Yeah, I mean, if you if you told me that you got, let's use the we'll use the sixteen minute you know thing because I think people throwing out fifteen to twenty. Let's even just use sixteen. If you got four really good four minute spurts out of out of Duran, where you got the best of him that you've seen over the course of time, while also saving the wear and tear on him to be able to have him for a longer period of the season, like I think most people would take that in an ideal world. You know, you you take the the version of him that we've seen against Duke and uh, and in some of those other games, you say, man, it'd be great if this guy could play 25 minutes a game. I just don't know that he can at this point. And, and, and Cam, to your point, I think, you know, while it's been different things over the course of his career, I do think there's enough of a track record to, to have concern and say, look, I'm not sure this is the guy that can give me 25 minutes a night. But if I could get 16, 18 really good minutes out of him, that's that's a really solid contribution. And then you just kind of fill in other stuff around that. You know, Lee asked about that question, is Duran fragile this year? Is he going to be solid and healthy? And I think that's a huge question because of the track record. And, and some of those injuries are hard to overcome. But I do agree with what you guys are saying, that short burst. Uh, and that's why I think he'll be better off the bench to match up with the backup um, or some backups and bring some offensive uh, ability and defensive ability to to the second unit. And so we'll see what the rotation is. We, we hope that he's healthy because a healthy Deron Davis helps this team, reg, you know, regardless of the number of minutes. Uh, Andy, what does Duran offensively bring to this Indiana basketball program? Well, I think for a, a team that has at least stated a desire to really, you know, play from the inside out. Uh, he, he's a guy who, as Cam mentioned, is a good passer, uh, has got a solid set of post moves and, and and is somebody who can really be a focal point and make defenses react. Uh, and, and I think that's ultimately what you're trying to find with this team, whether that's schematically or some other way. Who do you have that actually, you know, has some kind of pull on a defense? And, you know, last year, you know, that guy was Juwan and Romeo and things like that. And so everybody's trying to figure out, 
a, a, you know, certainly where scoring comes from, but there's also just a component of like who has the, you know, gravitational pull on the defense to really understand what's happening. And if Duran's playing well, and I is doing a good job of getting him the ball in positions where he can be dangerous, um, the other team has to react and has to do something that puts you in rotation. That opens up a lot of things for other players. Um, so I think that's really where he he becomes a, a focal point. Uh, it defensively is is going to be the the challenge and always has been. But I also, you know, you look at it of last year. I don't know that he fell into this as much as Juwan, but there were times that guys were just out there trying not to commit fouls because you turn and you look and there wasn't any. There clearly wasn't anybody that the coaching staff felt comfortable putting in the game other than them. Because if Duran wasn't out there at the five, it was Juwan. And it wasn't because there weren't other guys with size on the roster, but, uh, you know, actions say a lot. And there was, weren't many times that the coach turned down the bench and put somebody uh, other than Juwan in at that spot. I don't believe that's the case this year, whether that be Joey Brunk for sure. Uh, Race Thompson can fill some of those minutes, even though he's a bit undersized in that scenario. Trace could slide over there. Uh, it, you definitely get the impression that there's more other guys that they trust, um, which doesn't mean Durant should go out and you know foul at an incredibly high rate either. But I do think there's a little bit of a a cushion there where you can say, hey, look, if you get a couple fouls, it, that's not the end of the world for for the way that this team is constructed. So I think that's a positive. But really, um, you know, if they can get if teams are going to you know single cover him in the in the post, I think he's going to find ways to score more often than not. Uh, and if they aren't, he's a guy that I feel like you can trust to find other guys uh, who who can hopefully knock down uh, open shots in a way that we didn't see a whole lot of last year. Yeah, I think he brings a lot to Indiana offensively. Defensively, if he can sit in the post and guard, I think he – and block shots and rebound, that's his strength. I do think that the weakness of Duran is when he gets out on the floor guarding screen and roll action. Uh, he's not the quickest um, – defender out there and that's when he gets some fouls hipping the guard coming off the ball screen but cam coming to you if if we're back on this show the three of us in, in march and, and indiana's won 20 games and, and they're being considered for the tournament um what what's his stat line what's his average uh in those 16 minutes or so um and and that would mean indiana's doing well and he's really providing or i guess what's his ceiling Right, yeah. If you look at, you know, kind of maybe the best of Deron Davis, what you saw from him when he started all 15 games, excuse me, before that torn Achilles hit, he was putting up 10 points, 4.3 rebounds, and shooting 61.5% from the floor. And if you're going to, you know, let, let's go with the theory that what we think is going to be served best for Deron, where he's got these four, four-minute periods in the game where he's going about 16 minutes, you know, providing energy and some size and some force off the bench. I think if you get somewhere around 10 points from him and maybe three or four rebounds, and especially toward the end of those final 14 games from last season, he was pretty consistently getting three rebounds a game uh, when, he was, when he was in that role. I think you call that a success. I mean, this is going to be an Indiana team who's going to use, you know, maybe more of a platoon scoring approach, assuming Devontae is not, you know, going 50 points and uh, Grand Theft Auto shooter mode every night. Um, you got to think that Duran can get at least somewhere around 8 to 10 points. But I think the rebounding is going to be crucial, too. He can't come in and be completely ineffective from a rebounding standpoint. He's got to get three or four boards during those periods where he's going kind of, you know, a bull in the china shop as fast as possible down there. And that's the whole whole point too is you want him to be able to get at least that stat line because you're prioritizing rest and giving him those chances to okay you're going against the other team's second unit you have to go in and make an impact and you know to the point of him playing with indiana's second unit it's perhaps better that 
he's going to get that chance because he can work in tandem with some of the younger guys and provide some more of that floor security as an experienced player as well. Well, yeah, and I think you're almost going to look at that five spot between Brunk and, and Thompson and whoever plays that five spot as one player. And if you can get 12 to 14 points and, you know, seven, eight rebounds combined playing their best, maybe even better than that, I think that's that's going to be good. But we all hope that Duran is healthy and can have a great senior year and contribute to a, a NCAA tournament berth. I think he's a big part of, of – of Indiana's program, and uh, we'll start seeing that shortly as uh, the scrimmage against Gannon comes up uh, next week and then the regular season in about 10 or 11 days. So coming up on our third segment, we'll answer your questions, including one about season one and lost projects, maybe if we get to that, and another one about, um, well, we're just going to ask some questions because we changed it up in the pregame discussion from what um, Jared had. But stick with us here on the Assembly Call. This is Jordan Halls, and I never miss a shot or an episode of The Assembly Call. Welcome back to The Assembly Call. I'm the coach, Brian Tonsoni, here with Andy Bottoms and Cam Drubbin. Remember, you need to be subscribed to our email newsletter. We send out a weekly IU News Roundup even during the offseason, and after every game, we send out a detailed post-game analysis. Just text IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. That's IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. It's now time for our mailbag. All questions were submitted via Twitter and our private IU basketball discussion community, assemblycall.com backslash community. So, so fellas, um, we're going to start out with this um, from uh, outside the outsider off of Twitter. With being down two scholarships, how do you feel about this year's depth in comparison to last year? For context, Fitz, Jake, Clifton, and McBob were present but underperformed. There seems to be more ability per player this year, but avoiding injuries will be key. Uh, Cam, we'll start with you, the depth for this year. Yeah, I think that kind of, you know, hints at a very interesting concept because, you know, for all the good that they brought to the program, I'm sure, you know, kind of behind closed doors and in isolated moments last season, Jake Forrester and Clifton Moore really didn't factor much into last year's team. And they probably weren't going to be integral parts, even if you drop them on this year's roster, too. I mean, I don't think you'll find too many people to be clamoring for Jake Forrester or a Clifton Moore to be starting over Joey Brunk, Deron Davis, Ray Thompson, that kind of thing. So I hadn't really thought about that before, but the idea of there does seem to be more ability per player this season and you know less players on scholarship tests but you're going to get more out of those players at the same time Andy yeah I I thought the same thing I I hadn't really thought of it that way either um you know when you look at just raw number wise I mean I think everybody really viewed McRoberts essentially as a scholarship player so you kind of go from 14 uh, essentially to 11 and I think there are more guys probably on this year's team that Archie feels comfortable playing uh, maybe than last year's. So if that's the sign of depth, then I, I think it is a deeper team, even though in some ways it's, you know, it lacks experience. But uh, I, I do think, uh, I think he's comfortable with more guys. The injury part that was listed at the end of that question, I think is underscored pretty well by the scrimmage too, because you, you run out of guards real fast when <laughs> dependent upon what's going on. So I think that part is, um, that part is concerning because even though you, uh, you know, you might have more confidence in in a smaller number of guys. Uh, at some point, if you got guys sitting out, it's a it's a numbers game that you really can't 
you know, come back from. Uh, as you look at it that way, they've done a nice job of adding some walk-ons from a, a practice perspective that will help out for sure. Uh, but if you look at, you know, guys you're going to put in games, uh, if this team has any near the, the level of injuries that they had a year ago, uh, things get, uh, get rough pretty quick. Uh, this question's from RC, the MC, um, talking about uh, the scrimmage. Do you think Archie didn't play Devontae and Rob in the market scrimmage uh, simply not to show his full hand yet? And I think we all agree that it might have been injuries. But I'll add to RC, the MC's question, Andy, do you think we'll see the full squad in the Gannon scrimmage or do you think you'll see uh, some players sit out or limited minutes? I think you may still see some guys limited. I Certainly limited minutes, I would say. If there's you're not that far removed from the scrimmage, if there's still concern, uh, that's not really the scenario to me that you want to go, you know, full bore and, and play guys, you know, maybe more than you're comfortable. Uh, I would like to think that they probably still get at least a little bit of action, but I would guess those minutes will be at the very least scaled back. Uh, and hopefully we at least see a full complement of players uh, next uh, Tuesday. Cam, what do you think the rotation might look like given what we saw on the scrimmage uh, for the Gannon exhibition? Yeah, kind of along those same lines. I think we're going to continue to see a heavy dose of, of Armar and Franklin in there. And I guess for me, that kind of was an interesting parallel to last season, too, when you saw Devontae Green be held out a bit at the start of the season with a, that thigh injury he had. And that's when Rob Finnessy came in, made his mark, and you know eventually was able to kind of wrangle away that starting job, which everyone kind of maybe penciled Devontae in for last year and made it his own. So probably a lot more of Armar and Franklin. Maybe you'll see, I guess, you know, Al Durham was the only guard in that scrimmage starting lineup. You'll see Al Durham shift over to the two. Maybe get Armand some primary ball handling responsibilities. And also Archie's mentioned this year that Al's taken over a bit more of the primary ball handling responsibilities. So maybe get him more work in some more live game settings with that as well. Yeah, I think you'll still see some interesting rotations, if not some players held out of the Gannon exhibition. And it's a reminder to to everyone, too, is that is an exhibition and coaches are trying different rotations, different things to get on film. Uh, take a look at the stats, look at the box score, take a deep breath. Uh, and then when the games start for real on November 5th, when we really want to get into a little bit of the, the deeper analysis. So, uh, we got about uh, three and a half minutes left. Uh, Cam also wrote this question. Um, we still think it's uh, our, our guest <laughs> host here. Um, do do you have any pregame rituals? So I, I think I'm, that question might be geared as fans. Um, Cam, do you have any pregame rituals when you're just watching a game and or when you're working a game? Yes. So anytime, like, before, I mean, I, I, me and my roommate, Dylan Wallace, who's also working with Assembly Hall and inside the hall this year, we live just a stone's throw from both Memorial Stadium and Assembly Hall. And I got the room upstairs this year that has a door, like to a patio area next to it to like have people over or whatever. So I always, the first thing I do is I spring out of bed the morning of a game, be it football or basketball. And I just go straight outside to feel what the weather's like. I don't check an app. I don't rely on the forecast. I just go outside and see if it's cold or not. And base my decision on like whether to wear a sweater or a tie or an overcoat or something like that. Um, and then usually I just don't eat breakfast because I get up too late for the game. So I guess that's a ritual or something. Andy? I probably used to be a lot more superstitious about different things years ago. Now uh, I find that I'm usually like getting home from something else, scrambling to try to find what channel the game's on and stuff like that. So I have a little bit less time to be superstitious, which is probably saving me some time that is uh, that is not necessarily wasted. But no, I, I'm... To, with the show, I think it's changed a lot about how I watch where I'm trying to take some notes during things and, and pay a little bit closer attention so that I can remember or, or single out 
uh, specific moments. I think Jared has said the same thing over the course of time that it kind of changes a little bit of how you watch the game. So there's a little bit more preparation in, in that regard than there uh, than there probably used to be. Yeah, you know that's true. Uh, when you're going to be on the show immediately afterwards, you have to have notes and and you write down when p- plays uh, time. So I'm getting all that ready. But usually for me, it's uh, getting a nice beverage of choice uh, ready for the games that, that I'm not on the show. Uh, maybe occasionally uh, getting out the candy striped uh, pants to wear on the big games. Usually I will have an IU uh, attire on, and then just sitting down and getting ready to to watch the the games. Uh, but no, no food or anything. When I was a coach, or I, and, and when I do coach during the season, I do have some um, some things that I do to make sure we uh, are ready for the game, and I do those on a regular basis. But I'll keep those secrets. Um, so we're, we're, yeah, if you left those out, they're not going to work anymore. So you yeah, can't. exactly. So uh, real quick, we got about a minute. Um, Jeff asked, even though it's an exhibition. Uh, against Gannon, what will the starting lineup be? Quickly, uh, we'll start with Cam and then go to Andy. Uh, I'll go Armand Franklin, Al Durham, Justin Smith, Demise Anderson, and Joey Brunk. And Andy? Uh, I'll say Brunk, Justin Smith, uh, I'll say Trace, and uh, or no, I won't actually. I'll say uh, Rob, Al, and, and Devontae. I'll take, the, uh, I'll take the positive side of they're all going to be healthy enough and everybody's going to be out there ready to play. Well, I I do think that if they can play, they will be in. I I think it's vital to get them some time and get them on film before the season starts, but I will always err on caution uh, as last year's injuries just cannot happen again this year. So uh, coach will be in attendance. Um, Richie and the chat mob is going to be with me. So if you're in assembly hall, uh, check us out, try to find us and, and say hello. That's it. We're done. No more questions. Well, that'll do it for us on this week's episode of The Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Special thanks to Bob Thompson for producing most of the music you hear on the show, and thank you for listening. We'll talk to you again next Thursday night. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim, and go Hoosiers. All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Thank everybody for coming out. And that'll do it. There you go. All right. Nice work. Hey, thank you. Cam, enjoyed you on the show. I enjoy your work, your written work, and glad you're joining. Thanks for submitting those questions for yourself. I mean, no kidding, really, that is awesome. bang up, went bang off, up job all around. So went off perfectly. Yeah. I yeah. Used it, used a burner account that had like somebody <laughs> else's last name on it. So that was, that was good. Pete well Delitico or whatever uh, Romney used was sending those in under Cam's name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One of my many burner accounts actually paid off this time. Instead of just being used to like stock people online. Yeah. So that was good. <laughs> Didn't know Mitt used- Romney listened to the show. <laughs> yeah. nice nice uh, cool so you're going you're going down for the game coach yeah um, that's two tu- it's tuesday right i said that tuesday, i said that out loud yeah. on the show and then i was like oh crap is that really right yeah it's tuesday yeah, it's uh, tuesday okay. night um a friend of mine has season tickets and they couldn't use them so i got them for a pretty good bargain nice so very good very good yeah we're th- i think we're gonna try to go to the uh arkansas game while everybody's off on break and the holidays the kids haven't actually been to a game there so i was like that'd be a good chance as any to uh to make it work
Jay, a uh, couple good comments here, and uh, thanks to everyone saying congratulations and everything. I appreciate it. It is a little nerve-wracking. It's a lot better to be on those guys' side than the production side. Um, the tailgate is going to be an all-day tailgate, Jay. I think uh, if the lots open up at 7 or 8, the coach will be there at 7 or 8. Um, we're going to have a fire pit, and we're going to have several um, rounds of food probably. I'm thinking about gumbo and rice and some burgers and – so twelve hour tailgate might be might be happening. <laughs> so if you can wander over from your spot. Hey, we didn't get a question from from the great questioner. What's going on? Yeah, Jay. And then and then he gave me a hard time because I didn't uh, I said the same lineup that he apparently had uh Put in the had chat. mentioned earlier in the in the chat. And so he asked me to credit his source, but him as the source. <laughs> I was ready to list six guys, which I thought would have been probably not a great, not a great move, but you know, Jay needs to call into the hotline and leave a message so he can play his voice on the show. I think he did that for, did he do that on the Crimson cast one where they were, I feel like he did. I'm, I'm almost sure of it. The one that uh, he, that he, the Galen and Chris did, I think he did call into that. I mean, I'll tell you what, this might be a banner moment for an assembly call tailgate. But Joel Wonder comes to the tailgate and brings bourbon, and all I do is keep filling his ice glass full of ice, and he just keeps pouring bourbon the whole pregame. And that dang thing's <laughs> gone by the time it's kickoff. That, that guy's an MVP, man. <laughs> I couldn't do that. I have a hard enough time just with the regular beer. I love that hard stuff. <laughs> and uh, Chad also said um, – Cam, you need IU stuff next time you're on the show, or at least some red. That's the criticism yeah. coming. You know, we got. We yeah, can't you were let criticized you... for being overdressed. Yeah, and, oh, I'm sure. And I not was, and yeah. not wearing and not wearing IU stuff. So I, I don't, that's okay. I don't like his hair, but I don't know why that's. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's I what mean, coming at me for. Okay, cool. All right, good. It's <laughs> no. I'll make note of that. Yeah, I'm glad I wasn't on the show with you and Jared both. That really. Oh. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I'll, I'll, go, is, I'll go like, I'll go. Yeah. This is the AC yeah. after dark. You can just cut it loose. <laughs> That's too fun. Nice. Oh, man. Uh. I'm, just, I'm just being trained to be Jared's clone in every way from this to doing the banner mornings every other week. So yeah. I guess that mission is going pretty well so far. Yep. You're doing yeah, good. You're you just got to wear. Yeah. You just got to switch over when you wear something else. You got to wear a, like a flesh colored, uh, Sure, like he did the one time, and then you'll the transformation will be nearly complete. No kidding, <laughs> that was bad. Perfect. I'll, I'll get that in my wardrobe yeah, right now. Definitely, uh, definitely knock that out. Yeah, so all right, cool. All right, all right. well, well done, coach. Okay, thanks, Everyone, everybody thanks, for uh, thanks, Cam. Good to see you and talk to you. Thank you guys. Hope this to is run the last show without a uh, yeah, last show without actual game action to talk about for quite a while hey um, so any bloomington nice. any bloomington people um coach and mrs coach will be in bloomington for the volleyball game tomorrow night um and buffalo is around five o'clock so if you if you're missing this cute haired dude um from the tailgate joel or richie try to hit me up or if you're at the volleyball game let me know cool all right all righty man Sounds good. Everybody have a good weekend. Hopefully you get to win at Nebraska. Any uh, any thoughts on that, Coach? Ooh, I Cam, think we anybody? I'm, I'm driving uh, with some people tomorrow to Nebraska. We're going 10 and a half hours nice. each way. 
nice. uh, to go to go cover it for various uh, student media outlets. So we're making some pit stops in in Missouri, around Kansas City, at some you know some selected barbecue joints on each side of the trip. <laughs> nice. So we're ma- we're making this worthwhile. <laughs> that's that's a good plan. I tell you what, I've been very wait and see, and I'll believe it when they get there. And I really wasn't happy with last week's performance, even though a win. But I think it freed up the team. Um, things didn't go super well, uh, injuries and third down conversions and all that stuff, but they won. And that might be enough just to turn this team loose. I think they might win a, a, yeah. a, a Saturday. I really do. And, and uh, Nebraska's I, quarterback playing or is he still out? I don't know. Martinez. I think he might be it's, out. He's a game time decision. Mm. Oh, everybody is game time decision for that one. Yeah, honestly, they, like I was on a Nebraska radio show earlier today doing some predictions. I actually predicted nineteen seventeen Indiana for some foolish reason because mm-hmm. I haven't learned my lesson with IU football yet. <laughs> oh. But uh, yeah, ton of injuries just for everyone. Not, just not beaten down enough. You'll you'll get there. <laughs> yeah, only three years so far. I need to get to like the five <laughs> ten year threshold is when all this. All oh, the, yeah, all, yeah. You're not even close down. to being numb to it yet, so you're okay. Yeah. <laughs> So I, I'll yeah, believe I I'll believe it when they get sixth, and that's what I've said. I need to see something, and, and that the narrative's still there. I thought for sure that Maryland was going to score at the end. Yeah, and, and I hate being pessimistic about Indiana sports, but it's just been a long time that they haven't finished. Yeah, it's hard. So we'll see. Hard not to be. So yeah, I don't know. I, I'm decent feeling. I mean, I think if if Penix plays, I'd give him a a good shot. If he doesn't, I I agree. It's it's maybe what what forty was, uh, sixty instead of sixty forty. Any was was it a concussion or was it something with his arm or what was the problem with Penix? Anyone I mean, I would specify there. I mean, as, as usual, keeping it pretty close to the chest. I mean, Eastern Illinois, they never said, but like that looked like it was his it was a shoulder that was bothering him. But honestly, no one knows. I think it might be a concussion, though. That's like what I've yeah. seen rumors of, at least. Yeah, they said I was listening. I was listening to the game last week. We were coming back from. I I think it was a soccer game. Well, that's a fairly safe bet for me at this point. That I was probably if I was in the car, I was probably coming back for one. Um, and and yeah, there were a couple of times that like Fish was even saying on the radio that he was kind of like look shaken up and got up slow and different things like that. So that that led me to believe that, but I didn't really see. I I never went back and kind of watched the play that it was. So I guess we'll we'll see what happens. But yeah, I'm sure plenty of uh, no shortages of gamesmanship on the part of both coaches trying to keep everybody sure. in the dark yeah. about who's actually gonna. Well, I heard. Center, so I, I heard Nebraska's backup is even out. So it's either Martinez it's or Martinez the or the third string guy. I think yeah. I think I heard that as well. But I thought they said Martinez might be close to coming back. So he seems closer than Penix. But we're all just going to be sitting up there in Memorial Stadium in Lincoln trying to get binoculars on whoever's warming up. So <laughs> more of the same. Yeah, we shall see. So all right, all right, everybody, they, have a great night. Thanks, Cam, again for coming on. Thanks, Andy. Yep, and no uh, problem anytime. hey, if you're going to be in town for that Arkansas game, I may try to weasel my way down there. I think that's a Sunday, right? It is a Sunday. Yeah, I think we might try to go and uh, and stay. So yeah, I got to figure out tickets and all that. But I think they'll be relatively easy. Yeah, come by at that point. So all righty, that is our plan at this point because we'll have all of our family Christmas stuff done at that point. So I think our plan is to do it. Just a matter of getting a room and getting some tickets. All right, I may see you then. So. All right, everybody. All right. Sounds good, man. Good night. All right. Thanks, everybody. Hey, Thanks, Cam. Thanks, Coach. Hey, guys. Class-leading rear legroom. Available Mark Levinson Pure Play sound system. And now, for the first time, all-wheel drive. If there's anything missing from the Lexus ES, it's you. The Lexus ES, now available with all-wheel drive.
Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Click the banner to discover more. 2021 ES versus 2020-2021 competitors. Information from manufacturer's website as of 7-16-2020. Mark Levinson is a registered trademark of Hartman International Industries, Inc. Want to save 17 gallons of fuel every thousand miles? You can with the powerful combination of Michelin X1 tires and the Michelin Energy Guard aerodynamic solution on your truck. Michelin X1 tires can reduce rolling resistance up to 30% for more fuel savings. And Michelin Energy Guard helps you control airflow for lower costs per mile. Go to business.michelinman.com slash fuel saver for details and start saving today.